You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Ball's Heart of Liberty podcast. This is episode number 245. That's unbelievable. Of East Central Indiana's favorite podcast, Jeremiah Morrill here today. We've got a couple of candidates in the building, executive video audio producer Zach Burcham and my forever co-host, Mr. Dakota Davis. How are we doing, D-Square? Today's episode is episode number two in the candidate series for the uh, May primary that's coming up. We have uh, two Republican candidates for Indiana House District number 54, replacing Mr. Tom Saunders, friend of the show, Tom Saunders. Uh, we have Betsy Mills, who is on my right, so it would be the left-hand side of the screen, if you can't tell by the sign. And then we also have Miss Gayla Taylor, who is also joining us. We're going to be talking to these two candidates about issues facing the state of Indiana. We're going to start out with education, economic development, then we'll get to land use, uh, roads, and COVID-19, and then finally ending the, the food and beverage tax and then cannabis legalization. So make sure you stick around until the very end. This show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Sometimes we'll provoke you. Other times we'll make you laugh. But hopefully you're going to always learn something new. We just finished about 20 minutes of Patreon. Uh, it will explain the flowers that are on the table between Dakota and myself. Uh, they match Betsy's campaign uh, stuff. But it has absolutely nothing to do with Betsy or her campaign. That's that's important to note. In, in fact, quite the opposite. In fact, it's very much the opposite. <laughs> so if you want to know what it's about, jump in the Patreon, and you can also hear about my anti. Is it anti hobby farming? Yeah. Anti tomato. Uh, your war anti, against farmers. My war, Jeremiah hates agriculture. Yes. My my war against fake farming. Yeah. Fake farming. Like Cade. Coker. Fake farming. Yeah. Like Cade. Uh, Just like Cade. Patreon.com slash Boss Hog of Liberty. That's where you can go to support the show every month. That's how we pay the bills around the studio. That's what keeps the lights on. Um, you know, we got a permanent roommate now who's here all the time, working in here every day. So the electric bill's gone up. <laughs> so, you know, keep those contributions rolling. We appreciate it. If you donate at $50 or more a month, you get a shout out at the front of every episode. Those folks are Miss Christy Avery from all the way in Fort Wayne, Indiana, our favorite uh, Norwex supplier. I got to hang out with Christy over the weekend at Rex really? Bill's 70th birthday party. Oh, yeah. It Christy's was fantastic. Christy is great, most generous person that I know. Oh, yeah. And then we have Mr. Jonathan Phillips, who's our favorite car dealer in East Central Indiana and also the continental United States. I'm going to sound then, like I, I hang out with people a lot, but I got to have dinner with John on Friday night at the Elks Club. Uh, I'm going to be really impressed if you had dinner with Mr. Anthony Meyer, who's been on the road trucking, keeping the goods flowing. And making sure that America stays on track. We love you, Anthony. I just exchanged memes with Anthony. I'm not even mm-hmm. sure he's a real person. Uh, he's, <laughs> just a, he's just he's just an orb on the internet that 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 listens and uh, seems to love us. He sends you money, man. I know. Respect. I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying he could be he could be the Russians. I don't know. He has, you know, he's got better means than the Russians. <laughs> he I'm, is. I'm just gonna put that out. Yeah, there. It, they should hire if him the to Russians do propaganda. want real memes, then they need to hire Anthony Meyer. 
Uh, we also want to thank our sponsors for the candidate series. Uh, this week we have the Slick Pickle, who is the premier party bus in all of Henry County. I wonder where the Slick Pickle's at tonight for St. Patrick's Day. Who who got know. it? Someone, what the big I'm, party is? Like, we got to check their Instagram page. Uh, the uh, you can follow on the Instagram. You can you can follow the Facebook page. They post pictures of where they've been. So if you want to go out to a concert at a Deer Creek Verizon Wireless Clips Music Center by Ruoff Home Mortgage Center, you call the Slick Pickle, Slick Pickle and they'll take you out there. I'd imagine if you want to do something for the Indy so, 500 or Legends Day downtown. Much, much more fun than an Uber. Yeah. But just as safe as an Uber. Probably not, safer. Probably being a bus. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You could get hit by a smart car and not even notice it. And you get a whole crowd. You're trying to, you're trying to go out for a bachelor party or a bachelorette party, whatever you have. You call them up, and you don't have to gather up three or four different Ubers and go riding around. They'll take it. They'll do the whole thing. That's right. So check out the Slick Pickle on all of your social media and uh, find out, get a hold of them, rent them out for all of your transportation needs for your parties. Uh, great people with the Slick Pickle. We appreciate them for supporting the show. And if you go support them, tell them the Boss Hog Liberty sent you. Remember, all the sponsors that we have on the show, they're the ones that uh, are helping us you know, make ends meet. So by you, you supporting them is also supporting the show. And uh, we appreciate that. We appreciate you guys. We also have T-Chip Source to get Boss Hog of Liberty merchandise. Uh, T-Chip.com slash BHO1234 and BHO mug. I don't uh, want to create urgency, yeah. but I'm going to create urgency. Oh, no. I think it's time that we say that there's a last call on the Boss Hog uh, Gators. Yeah, because right. Because you don't need them anywhere other than airplanes, and I don't think they'll let you wear a gator on an airplane unless you want to cause an incident. So I'm well, going to say there's that there's also regular masks. It, well, I'm, I'm saying on the gator, just on the okay, gator, okay. We're, we should probably get ready to discontinue that. So we're creating urgency. If yeah. you're making your, your COVID time capsule and you haven't acted yet and got your, your boss hog gator, you've got a week. And then Dakota's going to take gonna it I'm going to plug down. the mugs because I the say. mugs are... <laughs> their mugs are it so is cheap. It is St. Patrick's Day. Uh-oh. We have... The regular mugs are $8. A color-changing mug... That changes colors and reveals the Boss Hog logo whenever it's hot is like is like nine bucks. It's it's crazy cheap. I don't know who set those prices. I need the, one. that way. I need one. I didn't set the price. Actually, I have. I did. I'm drinking, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> probably taking a loss on them. I'm 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 drinking my Guinness Mint Stout, which is left over from the Christmas Patreon episode. Yeah, it's, it's been cool. hiding in the fridge, and I near because it's St. Patrick's Day. I nearly lost it. It was it was there was there was a bit of a spray. I apologize to the audi- to the live audience. There's some on the the beautiful Boss Hog ThinkPad that took an entire bourbon and coke about four months ago. Um, but we we survived. A 32 ounce. It was just it was dumped straight in the. Camera. All right, can we get into this thing that the, that everybody's here to watch? Can we talk have about? Uh, Betsy Mills? We have Gayla Taylor. I think that you know if you've been listening to the show, you know Betsy pretty well. So we're going to start out with Gayla Taylor here, and we want to know a little bit about yourself. You know, what's your background, uh, work experience, education, anything like that? So get let us know who Gayla Taylor is. Uh oh. She's she's been muted, but we've got it back. Are we good? You're good. You're on. Okay. Um, I'm fourth generation Henry County resident. Um, my dad still lives on the farm that I grew up on, over between Kenner and Shirley. I'm a graduate of Shenandoah, um, 1985. My boys graduated from Knightstown. Um, throughout my life, I've lived in. Kennard, Shirley, Middletown, Newcastle, Mount Summit. Um, so all over Henry County. 
Awesome. So you raised your you raised your boys here. Mm-hmm. They went to school in Knightstown. I have twin boys, and then I have a stepdaughter and a stepson. Uh, between my husband and I, we have a thirty, two twenty nines, and a twenty eight. Wow! And right. My boys are twenty nine. Well, they'll be twenty nine next week. They're all they're all grouped together. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm expecting grandkid number nine in July. Wow. And the oldest one is six. You're going to have a whole team of pages just coming right along. If you win this race, you're, you're not going to need to have the other Henry County folks. You just it, you can just have a, a, a grandkid a week do, do yeah. the paging duties, and you'll be covered. She said that she's you have you're getting ready to have nine grandkids. The oldest one is six. Yes. So if you have the grandkids over at your house, yes, it's we, crazy. We um at the it was the more, Memorial Day when um the pandemic. You know, everybody was vacationing at home. We went to um, Family Leisure and got an above-ground pool. Of course, you know, nobody was working that year. (laughs) (laughs) So our pool got put in in September, and so we didn't, you know. Didn't really get to use it nearly as much as you planned on No, and try telling all these little kids. You ordered it on Memorial Day, and you get it by Labor Day. Yeah, actually, they they put it in Labor Day weekend. (laughs) Oh no! <laughs> yeah, and um, I mean, try telling all these little kids that they can't swim. Yeah, you know. So, but the next year, you know, we well, it was last year, uh, Father's Day weekend, we opened it up. We tried to open it Memorial Day weekend, and since we didn't get to open it when they first put it up, we didn't realize that there was all these issues. Uh-oh. You know, <laughs> there was a gasket missing out of the pump. Okay, and um. I actually went through my house and I found a canister that has one of those flip tops and has a bracket that you latch. Yep. Yep. And you make your homemade gasket. I made my own gasket. You're a survivor. You're I in am. Jeremiah's I am. Right now. <laughs> this is Jeremiah's life. I, I have, I have an in-ground pool and I have, I've rebuilt every bit of plumbing on the thing in the, since I bought my house yeah. seven years ago. So I'm, I'm right there with you. And the, the most stressful day of the year, one of the most stressful days, probably the most stressful day of the year is coming up. And that's the day we open the pool in the spring. Because you don't know what you're going to find. <sighs> I'm already, there's, there's the anxiety again. We're, 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 we're right on the edge. Because you got to take the cover off. The liner could be in trouble. Wild yeah. animals could jump in and you could lose yeah. the liner. The pole pump has to come back on. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. So, all right. So uh, that's the. stick with the garden. That's, oh yeah. my gosh. Stop it. Stop I it. have that too. Stop. And join, see, join that Patreon, comes in handy everybody. when you've got a bunch of little kids, you know, because mm. that teaches them hard work so that when they get older, they want easier work. And then then they can lay by the pool. Yes. So, and then uh, like the day job, uh, the the professional qualifications. Yes. My day set. job. My day job. Um, I'm a computer geek. I have been for 22 years. I've worked from home um, in various capacities. When I first started, I was an STD patient advocate, and I worked with GlaxoSmithKline, and I would travel the country and work with groups of nurses and physicians to help relate to their patients better. Um, So I did that for a while, and then um, from there, I went into being a virtual assistant and Web design, graphic design, so very nice. Yeah. All right, and then uh, I know Betsy's been here a time or two, so most of the audience is familiar. But for those that are just tuning in for the candidate series and and haven't made their mind up yet and are are learning, 
Betsy, what's the what's the elevator pitch about Betsy Mills? What what do the folks need to know? Uh, born and raised in Henry County, uh, graduated also a Raider. Go Raiders! Yeah, baby, blue and gold. The five three three is very well represented. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually a seven five five. There's also a three five four, but yeah, you got it. Uh, <sighs> Listen, I tried. Uh, K through twelve at Shenandoah, very proud Raider, just like Gala. It's a great school district. I'd argue it's the best in Henry County, but uh, I don't want hey, to turn, you, offend I was anybody. Say, you've got a lot of school districts in your. In yeah, your I do. District, um, folks. Yeah, we do. Um, they posted on Facebook today their account. And they said, "Hey, uh, Shenandoah School Corporation is the only school district in East Central Indiana that's always gotten A and B ratings on their schools." And I was like, "Yeah, that's kind of that's all, that's sweet." Anyway, um, it was a great school, great school to be uh, grow up in, and uh, I'm always proud to be a Raider. Very active as a student at Shenandoah uh, band. I was drum major, ran track, ran track. I threw track. I threw shot put. I, I'm not a runner. Good Lord. I've never been a runner. These um, politicians just lie. <laughs> they bend the truth. They stretch it. I was a thrower. Um, but no, I did a lot of marathons. Yeah. yeah. A lot of leadership. I did 4-H. I did uh, FFA. Um, I, yeah, just really active student. My, I have two younger sisters, Abby and Mandy, who are two years behind me. Uh, my mom's a librarian at the Middletown Public Library. After graduation, um, or I got a really good scholarship to Ball State, uh, one of their best scholarships. Um, I actually helped them fundraise this year, and we raised $1.3 million to endow that scholarship over and over and get it to a bunch of more people. It's a leadership and academic scholarship called the Emmons Scholarship. Uh, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because my family wasn't rich when I went to college. and Three kids in two years. And uh, anyway, it was just an incredible blessing. Went to Ball State. Got really involved on campus and university governance. Uh, I was Greek. I was in a sorority, Chi Omega, uh, best sorority on campus. Uh, also, was uh, elected student body president. Um, didn't know what to do when I was graduating, so I stayed for a master's. It turned out to be brilliant. Uh, gave me two more two more years in Muncie and um, a degrees a degree in uh, communications, master's. And for the last twelve years, I've been teaching for Penn State University in State College, Pennsylvania. For seven years, I was at the main campus. I started teaching when I was 24, which sounds insane. I, I really think they thought I had a PhD, and I didn't. I did not misrepresent it. I did not lie. <laughs> I would never do that. Um, but I was 24 teaching a bunch of 22-year-olds, and it kind of blew my mind. I had to get a really nice, you know, see my leather briefcase over there? I had to buy that. It was the most expensive thing I owned at the time. Um, but I wanted to look serious as a teacher. Um, so I was there for seven years, and uh, 2017, I was like, you know what? I, I just don't feel at home here. I felt that way the whole time. They're barbarians in Pennsylvania. They don't have biscuits and gravy. They're like, what? You're going to have brown gravy on a biscuit? And it's like, you're terrible people. Uh, <laughs> you order a pizza, and you're like, yeah, I want a side of nacho cheese. They're like, mm, what is that? And it's like, They've how can never I, even heard savages. of dill butter in Pennsylvania. No, how can I live here? Yeah, I, I literally. That's a breaking thousand, Oh, it was horrible. So near, nearly a thousand miles from the nearest pizza king. The, I think not. This is my life. So I, so like, I come home all the time. My dad was sick with cancer my first year in Pennsylvania, and I came home every uh, every other weekend, five hundred miles each way. I because I, I wanted to see him as much as I could. And uh, when I would, the, the last pizza king was in Richmond, Indiana. So I would go on the National Road, get my like 16-inch Royal Feast, no mushrooms, extra cheese, and take it to Pennsylvania and eat on it for the week. But um, yeah, I'm a Pizza King girl through and through. The best Pizza King is in Middletown, Indiana, hands down. I've tried it a is. lot of them. You, it is. you agree? Yeah. yeah, amen, sister. It is. Um, and that's exactly how week. I eat it. Royal <laughs> Feast, no mushrooms, oh, extra cheese. I, yeah, Gayla, we vibe. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to be honest, I'm a, pepper, a pepperoni lovers or pepperoni pineapple would be my two. Sarah doesn't like it. Sarah doesn't like the pie. The Sarah is not exactly an East. There's two pizza kings, and it's we're a divided state. 
There's the train pizza king and the East Pizza King. Mm -hmm. And I just had this conversation with Jesse Riddle at dinner about two hours ago. But she doesn't like the chopped up pepperoni. She likes the she just doesn't like diced pepperoni. The train pizza kings are garbage. Yes. It's not great. It's it's if you've grown up on East Central Indiana rural pizza king, like I'll call it rural pizza king, and you go to one of the train pizza kings, you're like this is not what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I got, I was like, what is this? All right. So we've gotten to know the candidates a oh, little bit. I, I All right. done, sir. All right. Sorry. Good, we, interrupted, sir. we interrupted you on the yeah. pizza stuff. Uh, so I, the last five years, I've been back in Indiana. Uh, in 2018, I ran for uh, uh, county council. There's a four, four-way race. I lost by 32 votes, uh, but beat the incumbent. Um, it was a good experience. I joined the Henry County Republican Central Committee, which I remain on now as vice chair. Um, I was a, I was caucused in to be on the Henry County Council in January 2020, which is like five minutes before COVID happened. And it's been a real trial by fire. And it's been a great experience. It's like grad school over again. I'm really grateful. I've had a great time on the county council. And I, I'd like to think I've helped the county and really protected our the way we spend our money and our tax dollars. Uh, yeah. And I live on our family farm in northern Henry County. And um what can I say? I love this community. I could live any, I have a remote job. I could live anywhere in the world. I could live in Thailand. I've thought about it. I could live in Fishers like everybody else. It seems I choose Henry County because I, <laughs> I choose Henry County because I believe in Henry County. I believe in East Central Indiana. I believe in what's coming, our future. Uh, I'm fired up to be here more and more every day. So Gayla, why did you decide to run? Like what was your moment that you thought I'm doing it? Um, well, it was in, I don't know. Late de- it was December, late December, late December. Um, I had a couple of friends that called me and said that Tom Saunders was retiring and they urged me to run and told me to think about it, pray about it. And, um, you know, nothing against Betsy or Bobby or Nancy. I mean, I just absolutely adore all three. Um, and actually that's kind of why I'm, I'm running because if they win and they don't do the job, I think they'll do. I won't like them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I hold grudges. Um, <laughs> um, I've just been let down by a lot of politicians and I, the whole time I was growing up, you know, if you wanted a job done right, do it yourself. You know, you complain about something, you go do it yourself. And so that's why I decided that, I'm semi-retired last year. I had planned on fully retiring. I have the time. Um, I don't need a job. I don't need a career change. You know, it was just, it was a good like time. a good time to do it. If you're yeah. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, six grandkids, I have something to fight for. For sure. Um, they're, I mean, actually, there'll be nine grandkids. <laughs> 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 they're multiplying uh, quickly anybody would after five no one I, I have a friend on facebook that he's like every time i turn around you're you're saying you're having another one i'm in the baby business um but out of the nine i have two that are boys so i've got all these girls oh, wow. i was a boy mom now i've got all these girls now you get to experience the other side of it yeah and Betsy, what was the? Uh, we're, well, there's a lot of issues we're going to talk about tonight, and then there's a handful we may we may have to catch up in final thoughts. As as, as if you guys have others you want to discuss, but what uh, what what's your number one focus for jumping in? What was the what was the impetus? Well, it's an open seat. 
And Tom served our district honorably for 26 years. I really respect that he has, uh, I, I really think he's tried hard to represent us. And sometimes he's gone up against the caucus, against other interests. And I think, I truly think he's tried to represent Henry County, Rush County, whatever the district was, because it's been redistricted a few times. Um, I will always, always respect that about him. Um, but I think I have a lot to offer with regards to experience and leadership in the party, not just being Henry County vice chair, uh, but being young Republican vice chair and other things, Luger series. Uh, I've had a lot of political training over the years, a lot of political education. Um, I've worked on policy. I'm really policy-based. Like I work on legislation. I really read studies. I read data. It's all in my training. I think I can go down to the state house and be an effective person, not just in the caucus, but in the legislature and also for the district, like go down, go to war, fight for Henry County, Rush County, and the tiny bits of Shelby and Hancock. I think I can do that. I think I can do it well. Um, I feel like my two years on the council really uh, represent that, that I have, when I first started a little over two years ago, I was scared to death. Like every comment I made, I was just like, oh, did that sound dumb? I'm worried about that. Now I'm like, no, I'm going to examine every penny that we're spending. I'm going to ask questions. Sometimes they're hard. Sometimes I make people mad. I don't care. It's my job to protect the taxpayers. So, um, you know, the same kind of logic goes to the, to the state house. I'm there to fight for our people. I'm there to fight for East Central Indiana. Um, you know, it's an opportunity. I think I provide you know, the best experience uh, of anybody in the race, but I respect every single person for putting their name on the ballot. It's tough. It's tough to do. People attack you. People are mean. Uh, it's it's not a glamorous lifestyle all the time. People are usually ticked off at you for one reason or another, but we don't I do I thought it. you ran for office and became a millionaire. if you knew how much i made on count like per hour like my council work you'd cry um but we don't do it for money we do it for service we do to we do it because we're trying to serve the community we're trying to make things better and i i believe in the opportunity to be central indiana i really do like i said i choose to live here i could live anywhere else and but i this is home so one of the biggest topics that uh that we've seen go through the state house in the last couple of years was revolving around education teacher pay teacher retention uh, mandates coming from the state in uh, the state legislature down to school boards about what has to be taught. I want to hear a pitch from each of you, and I, I think we'll we'll do the snake draft style. So we we just were with Betsy. We'll go to Betsy and then over to over to Gala. What's the Betsy Mills position on public education? What where do you what role should the state house have? Where and what what could we expect from you if you're our state rep? Well, that's a broad question, but let me say as a public educator who's only known public schools. Shenandoah, Ball State, Penn State, um, I believe in education. And I also believe in school choice. And it's funny, I know that school choice gets attacked a lot, but actually 80% of school choice is public to public. And I think if you're living in a failing school district and you want better for your kids and you're paying taxes into a system that doesn't uh, give them the education they need, that you know, having flexibility there to maybe choose a different path can be really, really vital. And I, I, it's, it's not perfect, but I, I, that, that makes logical sense to me. Um, I think as an educator that educators should be consulted on legislation. And you have 1134, House Bill 1134 in the show notes. I read that bill in January, early January, and I had multiple conversations with legislators in the House and Senate. And I said, some of them were sponsors. And I said, listen, I know the intent here is good. I know your heart. You're a good person. I know you're not trying to do anything wild here. This is going to tell teachers you don't trust them. You don't trust their curriculum. You want to create a ton more government to oversee everything. It's going to blow up. It's not going to go well. And they just didn't hear it. They didn't hear it. And I mean, I don't want to be like I called it, but I absolutely called it because it was really obvious from the get-go. And I know a lot of conservative 
conservative teachers, public school teachers, and they are all mad as hell at 13, 1134. They were mad. They felt disrespected. They felt like you didn't consult us. You're trying to fix a problem that may or may not exist. Do I have concerns with regards to that bill? Like what, you know, what is being taught in classrooms, ideology? Absolutely. Absolutely. In my own classroom, I work very, very hard to keep, uh, I always have to keep a political balance. I don't show my hand on what I think politically. It's not my job. I want them to be able to take whatever position they want. I ask them to go after data and research and make their case. Every class I've ever taught. And I judge them on that, not on the position, because that's what we do. In America, we're allowed to disagree. But with regards to 1134, I just, uh, it was predictable. And um, I think we need to listen to teachers. And over to to Gala, your your opportunity to speak on speak on education. Any comments on the eleven thirty four bill, or just a broader view on the state's role? The eleven thirty four, you know, like Betsy said, I I know their hearts were good, and I could understand the thought process. But these days, we have so many people that are so offended by everything, and it just left this giant hole, you know. People could just get so offended over anything and everything that needed to be um, nailed down, more defined. I think teachers need to stick with the basics, reading, writing, and arithmetic, Um, you know, history. They don't need to, too much is being piled on teachers and too many parents, teachers and our schools and daycares, they're raising our kids. And there are a lot of teachers out there who really care about their kids, but, and same with daycares, but there's a lot of people out there who's doing it just for the money, who's doing it just for the job. They don't have a vested interest in the adults that those kids become. And look what that's got us. You know, we've got this entire generation of kids that. It's like, it's like any other job where like you do it for so long. And there, as you go along, there becomes more and more rules and you get jaded and jaded and then you stop caring about it and you're going to ride out your time. Right. And that's, that is not the job to do that in. No. And you just don't see the teachers getting involved with, teachers are forced to keep a distance from kids, you know, because somebody might get offended. And so how do you, how do you think we go about fixing it? Like what's the solution to you trust teachers, you, you train them well, you educate them well, you pay them well, and you right. trust them to do the right thing. Right. And, and, yeah. and obviously if they don't, you hold them accountable. But I had teachers on the right and left at Shenandoah and we would have amazing debates in classes like the FFA teacher, uh, Steve Hickey. He, he was incredible. And he was very, you remember Hickey, legendary, his kids. <laughs> legendary, legendary guy. He was a, staunch Republican. We would have amazing discussions. He'd tease the, the people he thought might like Hillary Clinton, but like he would listen and go back and forth and it was gentle and it was thought provoking. And that's what we should do. Um, I had a, my, my, one of my teachers was staunchly Democrat. We would debate things back and forth. It was respect. We're not even allowed to have conversations anymore right. because of offending. Right. And, and the thing is there has to be mutual respect. We have to be able to engage and say, you're a good person. I'm a good person. Let's talk about this issue. And then we'll move on. Very but, often, your your goal is the same thing. It's just how do you get there? Absolutely, right? how, right. is it through policy? 
you're most people that are involved in education, their goal is to get kids through school and prepare them to go into the workforce, right? Right. But it's it's how do you get there? Does the school board do it? Does is it based on curriculum that the parents are picking? Is it based on curriculum that the, the state is saying you gotta do it? And can we actually sit down and talk about it? Right. I'm scared to death of teacher shortages. And when I did teach at Shenandoah, um, I was amazed at from when I'd been there to when I was an adult. Uh, how many interruptions there were with regard to testing. I looked at what my students were learning in other classes and I was like, this is easier than when I was here. What are you actually learning from this? Like I, and I'm not attacking Shenandoah. I think that I think Shenandoah's education is excellent. I'm scared about education in general. I think students walk away with less and less. They don't have those tangible skills. They don't know how to grow a garden. They don't, <laughs> what, what are we equipping our young people with the tools they, to be adults? They don't know how to go about securing a mortgage. I mean, they have no idea. My, I was shocked. My kids didn't know that, you know, 15 year mortgage is there's not much difference, you know, in your payment, but you're, you, right. you, but you're done 15 years earlier, right? Right. But you you're a lot less interest. Yeah, yeah. They had no idea. And we learned that in school. I remember learning that in school mm-hmm. and I'm yeah, like, I what did. happened? Yeah. So speaking about education, you're talking about building up, um, or you guys both were talking about building up, kids for the future. I feel like that goes pretty hand in hand with economic development. So we saw with the pandemic and supply chain issues, and we've seen a lot of jobs and a lot of corporations that are looking at China, they're looking at jobs overseas and they're going, maybe that's not the best move, bringing jobs back to the US. It's been like the chip jobs and like there's a Intel's building a, a chip facility in uh, Columbus mm-hmm. or Cleveland? New Albany, Columbus. Yeah. yeah. Greater Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. And there's also some factories get moving to Texas. Um, what kind of economic development do you think we need to work on in Indiana as a whole and also in the district? Um, yeah. You guys have heard this pitch before, but as a young person who grew up here, like I remember when the far edge of Northeast Indianapolis was 82nd street in Castleton. Now you could argue it's Daleville or the Muncie exit. I mean, it's just Indianapolis has grown up 69 like crazy. Uh, You see development on I-70 moving east. Indy is now Greenfield. I mean, it's just growing and it's growing our way. We have three interchanges on I-70. And we we don't have an interchange on 69. We miss it by a half mile. Uh, I believe we should have an interchange there, by the way. Um, But like Indy's growing our way and we need infrastructure now. To plan for that, we're going to have with remote working, with the internet growing, like we're going to have people decide they don't want the hustle and bustle of Indianapolis and they're going to move to us. And I don't, I'm not saying I want little Indianapolis here, but I want us to be a place where we've planned for the future. We have places for people to live. We have the infrastructure to support it. We have rural broadband internet. We have, you know, we're fighting for this uh, in Henry County government right now. We have $9.4 million to spend with ARP funds. And a lot of that can be dedicated to infrastructure. My thought is, and I've said this very vocally at many minis, look at the interchanges. What what can we bring in? What can we set up and bring in jobs, bring in housing? Um, I mean, I, I'm screaming it from the top of my lungs as a young person. What can we do to make Henry County and Rush County, the district, East Central, East Central Indiana in general, the best place to live? So do you, do you think that whenever we talk about economic development, we need to focus on just bringing any job that we can in here? Oh, no, absolutely not. Okay. No, I mean, you want jobs to support families. You want jobs to support people. You want jobs where people can pay for houses and thrive. You don't, you don't want 
bottom barrel stuff. Right. Cause like if you bring up economic development to some people, they may think one person may think we need a good, like living wage union job like we had, or someone might be like, just bring in a couple more fast food restaurants. And there's 30 jobs. Yeah, that's. You know? I mean, I mean, do I want a Chick Fil A here in Henry County? Yeah, I, I, I root for that. Like, there's. Our, there's our, <laughs> listen, our syndicator Chris Spangle has held it against me for four years that he absolutely will not consider moving to Newcastle or Henry County to bring his show out here because mm-hmm. we're too far from a Chick Fil A. He He's not he, wrong. He says driving to Muncie is a bridge too far. So he could it, live out by me. It'd be close to one in Greenfield. <laughs> See, I, I hit the one on exit two ten. You know, because I when I go to Indy, I take sixty nine because I you know I live you know Middletown area. But um, yeah, yeah, no, but I mean, yeah, we want <laughs> we want to be a, a growing, thriving community. We're this Henry County is the second oldest county per capita in the state, and that's and that's fine. We have great elders in our community. We have great we, leaders. We love our boomers. We do. We love our boomers. We love our grandparents. It's all good, but we also <laughs> need to think about the future, and they want that more than anything. I think. I think they want us to plan well for their grandkids. All right, Gayla. Uh, I guess it's a two-part question now. What are you going to do to bring us to Chick Fil A? This is like running for, sc- for <laughs> this is like running for high school uh, high school assembly and uh, and general economic development. Jeremiah was homeschooled. It's student council. Yeah, and I'm going to bring a new Coke machine. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I sweeten the pot, guys. Tell me how you're going to steal my money and give it back to me. I'm I'm listening to the big big tax Republicans. Come on. Well. I don't know, just by looking at when Chrysler and GM shut down, it was just like this, you could sit and see the constant deterioration of Anderson and Newcastle. I mean, everything just left and left a ghost town. Um, You go into Anderson and you see car dealership after car dealership, you know, and I'm like, who's buying those cars? Yeah. Yeah. You know, where are they living? And I mean, first of all, I, I can't bring myself to buy a brand new car. <laughs> I'm too tight. <laughs> you know, I just can't do it. Um, but when you look around Anderson, I mean, they don't have the jobs over there to warrant that many car dealerships. They need to bring more industry in, you know, manufacturing. Um Tom's there in Knightstown. It's just right across the road. I mean, that thing is huge. And they're they're already talking about expansion, I guess. Um, Tom's is a medical device manufacturer uh-huh. that just uh, located. I think they're mm-hmm. based in Connecticut. But yeah. this is Indiana's their second location. Or, and it wound up landing in Henry County. Um, actually, there's one in Henry County and one in Kosciuszko County. Okay. In Warsaw. Mm-hmm. And our home is here. And we have a lake house in Kosciuszko County. <laughs> so we're huh. like... You got them on both sides. Yeah. Um, but I don't like to see the medical, um, industry growing like it is. I feel like that's an indication that it's weird money. Yeah. And, uh, I, I would like to see, you know, the industry come back auto industry. I'm not big on electric cars. Um, Tell I me. don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I, I my dad worked at GM and Anderson. I feel you. I I I really do. But I, it's I don't think it's coming. I want to be able to work on my own car. Sure. Right. And they're making it impossible to do that. Tell I me. can't even check my own transmission fluid in my right. Jeep. Tell me more about the 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 med- You're not not in favor of the medical device. Oh, investment. I am. I am. Um, but I just I don't know. I just feel like the 
I just feel like the way things are going, people are breaking more. You know, and compared to the old days. And um, I mean, my grandma was 94 years old and she'd never been in the hospital. And she refused to go. And when they tried to take her, she died on the way. You know, and it just, um, I don't like the pharmaceutical impact. When something's wrong, you take a pill. And I think everything is just commercial. The commercialism of Medicaid, of, of medicine. Yeah. Like where you're, where, I think where you're leading us. Yeah. Like, I see what you're saying because it's like, it seems like the more that like the, the profit in the medical industry goes up, the more we see issues that weren't issues before. Like, right. like they're creating a solution or they're creating the problem to sell us a solution right. a lot. Right. And I think that's typical of, I think that's typical of the Democrats. It's typical you know, of they, like a lot of industries too. Um, though, I've seen that a lot since I've become an ex-Democrat. So let's, let's talk about another big, uh, what I consider to be almost the third rail of Henry County politics. Uh, and it's, it's the issue that led in the last five years for us to get an almost entirely new county, county government. And it's been a big deal in Rush County as well. And that's land use. How do we choose to live together? How do we, how do we interact, um, specifically around wind and solar ordinances? And we saw that there was a big state influence potentially coming along, uh, in the last couple of years, uh, where the state was going to get involved and, and dictate whether or not you could have moratoriums and setbacks and, and rules in place. What's your view, Gala, on on the state's involvement with with land use? Um, I'm not a fan of the government being up in my business at all. The state, smaller, county, township, federal, all of them. The smaller the government, the better. And I do want to see a lot of things come back from the federal government back to the state or back to the county. Um, I'm not a fan of doing away with township trustees, that kind of thing. I think the more local you can get your government, the better they govern their people. Um, as far as, you know, the wind farms and the solars, I'm all about being a good neighbor. You know, if 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 you're going to do something that's going to impact your neighbor, then you need to have a conversation with your neighbor. Um, because they work just as hard to get their home and their land. And you need to have a conversation with them before you do something that's going to deteriorate their investment. Um, if it's going to deteriorate too bad, then buy it, you know, buy them out and let it, you know, I just, I'm not a fan of those big wind turbines. And if you have one on your property, and something were to happen, would it end up on your neighbor's property? And if that's the risk you're going to run, then don't do it. Um, but so, I don't think so. From this, from the general assembly side, should should the general no. assembly be getting involved, or it should no. be left to the local planning commission? It should be left and, to and local. Commissioners. Local. Okay. Right. Yeah, because we've seen same thing for rezoning with yeah. general business, residential, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Local. Okay. And uh, Betsy actually was the one that 
changed my mind a little bit on the wind turbines. I was pretty agnostic about them originally. Um, maybe even leaning slightly towards pro in some cases, but you came on the show and talked, I think it was whenever you were running for County council and mentioned like, this goes back to our economic development issue was if we build a lot of wind turbines here in areas that could be used for like residential housing or uh, bringing a manufacturing facility here, but we've already used up this land and there's these giant setbacks where it's unsafe to build anything around them. Then we've shot ourselves in the foot for future development. The opportunity cost of not being able to use that, that ground for what may become. Right. And I, and you know that I, I don't think that necessarily applies much to the state level, but I, I just thought it was a really good point. I like to bring it up because it's, it's an interesting topic that, that Whenever is. we talk about wind turbines, and I don't the, the counterpoint the counterpoint to that, and I because I, I, there are there are people in the cars that I, I think need to hear it as well, is that yeah you could say that that's a general ten thousand foot policy, but you don't own the ground, right? So yeah, per taxpayer one, two, or three owns owns the property, and you know they're they're going to say, well, I can I can lease it or sell it to who I want to. None of your business, Dakota. Right, and I agree, and. That goes back to exactly what Gayla was saying is you you have that conversation with your neighbor and you go, listen, like I, you know, I think that any reasonable person could see that. But if your neighbor decides I need that money, I need to, I'm a farmer um, because the soil is drying up around here. I need to diversify my portfolio because the amount of fertilizer I have to put in is going up every year and the cost is going up. What are you going to do? I get that. That's- I, I have a lot of sympathy for farmers who are looking at what's going on in Ukraine right now and saying, uh, I'm going to be paying so much for fertilizer this year because they're responsible for so much of the world's production. And um, I'm also sympathetic to farmers who want to diversify their land. Luckily, we sit on one of the richest aquifers uh, in, I believe, the, not just the state, but the Midwest. We're This is a very fertile ground, and we're lucky. And every year, it seems like our farmers get better and better yields. Um you know, I'm a big believer in federalism. Everybody stay in their lane. Federal government, stay in your lane. State government, stay in your lane. Local government, stay in your lane. And what we're seeing over and over is Indiana's state government is wanting to encroach on the locals. You know, they they want to make decisions for us and without our input. And that's why you've seen such uh, extreme opposition to some of these bills. Uh, you know, last year's House Bill 1381, which I worked really hard on to help defeat, and that was going to override home rule for counties. And it was going to tell, it was going to set a statewide standard for wind and solar energy placement. And in my mind, wind and solar are very, very different beasts. Very, very different. Yeah. Um, That's why I, I guess in, in the conversations we've been having on this show, I've just called it land use. Because we, yeah. we've had right. fights over asphalt plants. We've had fights over biodiesel or, KFOs, or, or yeah. we've had fights over CAFOs. We've had, we've, we've just general light industrial. Right. When somebody decides they want to put a housing development in, I'm quite convinced that we're going to be upset over that too. Right. Uh, you pick it, it's going to, uh, yeah. And, and, and this we, is an issue in this race. We I, have candidates in the race who are very pro in energy and they were not going to say it out loud, but they are, they're being yeah. popped up by people who are very pro in energy. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll be brave enough to announce that. Um, I just look at, I look at our future economic development. I'm obviously very passionate about it. I believe in Henry County and Rush County as there's going to be great things coming our way. If we just plan correctly, we're going to see that development. It's coming because we've seen our other counties related to us have that development. Um, and again, Dakota, back to the point you made, you, you made about me. 
the studies I've read, and this is all, this is not me being mad at green energy. It's me reading data and studies and doing my own research. Uh, Bringing wind energy into a county that has 126 people per capita per square mile is going to absolutely disrupt everything. It's 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 going to disrupt the economic development, and I've I've seen that over and over. And also, it's not fair to neighbors. It's just not the setbacks they wanted to have were absolutely ludicrous. They would kill property values for everybody around that project. So yeah, the farmer gets 10 grand a year for his turbine, but everybody around him, their investments they've made in their properties. They're bad. They you know, lose 30, 40, 60% easily on the property. Um, solar is a little bit different. I'm not as scared by it, but again, I have concern. Are we putting it on prime farmland? You know, can we can we site it well? How does it protect neighbors? Again, devils in the details, very, very different creatures to me. Right. I think for more rural counties, you know, that don't have as many people as Henry County, you know, if all the people there want it and we're not ta- you know, putting up t- uh, subsidies you know, tax subsidies for it. Like I, that's their choice, but it should be a local choice, not the state of Indiana, not Washington, DC. It should be the people at home making that call. Maybe it's good for Benton County, white County. Sure. They, yeah, they have much fewer people. Maybe maybe not for Henry County based on the the population headcount. And I, I mean, I'm not a fan in general of wind energy, but I, I, I don't live there. Let them make their own call. So my disclosure that uh, Dakota makes me give is that my, uh, my day job is in the road building industry. It's a, This is our conflict of interest. This is my conflict of interest statement. I watched uh, Mayor Pete on 60 Minutes explain why I should have a job for the rest of my life and that the the, uh, infrastructure uh, deficit that uh, that this country has running for it. So you can buy an electric car? (sighs) Let them have electric cars. Listen. There there's a lot of things that the the Department of Transportation is responsible for. uh, And I'm my I'm going to stay in my lane and I care about bridges. That's that's the only thing I do is I build I build bridges. I bring two people together as the as the uh, as the secretary said, uh, transportation connects people. We don't divide people, Dakota. All right. So, Betsy, what's your what's your view? You've got the purse strings of INDOT. You've got massive influence or uh, Tom Saunders, the existing uh, state rep. He's he sits on the roads and transportation committee. Uh We've been asking about the Jerry Walden interchange at State Road 103, if it would be something you'd support. Uh, other priorities you think INDOT should have for uh, for Henry County, they've got, they're responsible for Highway 40, 38, 36, 3, 109, 103, 70. Lots of INDOT influence in the district. And that's just Henry County, not even considering right. Shelby and Rush and Hancock. Um, you know, I had a really interesting meeting last week with the president of uh, Indiana Constructors, and they're basically the group that lobbies on behalf of all road constructors and it wasn't like a a money meeting it was literally literally uh informational like hey you're running for office i want you to understand how roads are funded and part of it i knew part of it was really really interesting and uh and they were just talking about how roads are funded and talking about the latest infrastructure bill and how it sounded like it was mostly for infrastructure and mostly for roads like a lot of the framing was that but actually it wasn't and uh, you know, talking about gas tax, lots of things. Um, you know, Henry County, you know, looking at our county roads, we have 800 square miles of roads. It's more than any other uh, county in the state. Um, with regards to our highways, I think generally and in our interstate, I think they're in good shape. But um, as someone who drives a lot, I, you know, I, I think maybe one of our lo- local issues that's number one is people are mad about the county roads and the road funding formulas. People are getting killed at the gas pump right now. I'm probably spending hundred bucks a week on gas. Uh, that's what happens when you're running for office and you're running around all the time. Um, real concerns. Did you want me to address the gas tax or? Yeah, if you if you want to, I mean, we last week we talked with Nancy about the proposal as 
as Seindine was coming uh, coming mm. along, the Democrats said, "Hey, let's suspend the gas right, tax right, until, yeah. until December." Right. Uh, that's that's a proposal that's out there. I, it, is that something you'd support? I guess we can. It's a talk great about question. It. I I am neutral on that, and I've thought about it a lot. And when the Democrats proposed, I was like, "Yeah, that seems kind of smart to consider." Can we give Hoosiers relief the tax pump right now? Because we're getting all we're all getting murdered together, and it's really. I mean, I can't imagine making minimum wage or ten bucks an hour and and trying to fill my tank and commute. Like it would just be horrific. Um, and then I had that meeting with the, the gentleman from Indian Ed Constructors, and he said, "You know, it's not that we're opposed, but." If you suspend the gas tax for six months until July, or until July, actually, it's going to cost three hundred million dollars. Do we have it in reserves? Yes, we do. You got to fund it, of course. But um, what precedent does it set? It sent, you know, that the next time we're in crisis, you suspend it again. That's going to cost X amount of money. Um, I. I mean, the I precedent's say, already been set. Yeah, and I and maybe it's worth it. Maybe we say, "Hey, we've got billions of reserves. Hoosiers are hurting. Suspend it now." Like I'm not opposed to that. I just think there's a lot of nuance to this. So it's something I'd really want to learn and study more. I, I'm I'm not trying to play both sides of this. I just think it's complicated. So, yeah. um, but I want to see us continue to make our roads better. All right, Gayla. Um, let's talk about the roads a little bit. Um, we have seen. A lot more road funding because of the increase in the gas taxes that was passed through the Republican legislature. You also have federal grants um, and also the infrastructure bill that was passed in 2017 by President Trump increased a lot of road funding for states, um, specifically Indiana. So what do you think, if you're in the state house, um, how, how can you lobby for your district to get better road funding, better road construction done. Um, do you have any kind of project in mind? Would you support the interchange at state road one Oh three? What are your thoughts? Um, when my, my brother-in-law works down at Honda. So when Honda came in, I saw what happened with um, that and the interchange down there. Um, I think if you have, an idea and commitments to justify the interchange that needs to come in first so that it puts, um, you want the locals to make minds, a case to, right, to, right. To justify, to justify it. Um, I do think there needs to be one at three and 70 and like Betsy said, over on 69, I used to live in Middletown. So, um, is it 236? Yeah. Yeah. I, that's my dream project. I, from the minute I started studying, I wanted, I want an interchange at State Road 236 and 69. It's, yes. it's a half mile, it's point, point 0.4 miles into, into it's Madison needed County. there. But yeah. And so INDOT has this rule that they'll only have an extra every four miles. My understanding is exactly four miles from uh, the exit 234 in Daleville mm-hmm. and 226 in Anderson. So I, my dream project is that opening that up for Northwest Henry County. Yeah, it's it's definitely needed there. Absolutely. And in the challenge or the I guess the the local case for that would be to help Joe, help Joe Wiley and the and the county commissioners or not Joe Wiley, Joe Copeland. Oh my gosh, I'm living in the past. Forgive me everybody. We've been doing this show for a while. Uh the new highway superintendent uh, Joe Copeland, if you did have that, you would you would take people off of the Henry County roads. So the road system for folks leading into right. Middletown are taking Raider Road. They're taking uh, but from the north, whatever the road is that comes off of State Road 67, you would 
create an interchange that takes people off the county road system and directly into Middletown. Right. And it would it would provide incredible economic expansion in the northwest corner of the county. It would make all that land right. just so much more valuable. It would mean I don't have to drive through Anderson, you know, 53rd, Scatterfield, all of it. I jump on the interstate right there and I'm in Indy probably 10 minutes faster. And I, I just, I, I, it's a win-win for everybody. And I know there's ground there that's like protected. You only need two of the four corners to make it work. So I, I see a lot of opportunity there. But for 103, Gayla, you're saying like, we need to figure out, we need to have a plan for that land that's around it so that we're not just offering people cornfields whenever they come off of 70. Right. We need to develop a plan before you can pitch this to NDOT, say, hey, we need to get this funded. We need to get it rolling. So, yeah. I think that would make it appealing to, I mean, there's a lot of industries that could come here. I mean, we have a lot to offer. We really do. Um, it would be a very convenient exit for families that are coming to the to the youth sports facility. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people coming. That's right. Every weekend with a direct direct road straight up 103 to to, to 300 and into the sportsplex. Yeah, but they have, they have State Road three there too, and it's going to be like halfway between the two. So. Uh, one of our uh, one of our viewers, Bobby Steele, uh, says that State Road 236 and I-69 is getting replaced next year, so they better lobby quick for an interchange before the contract is designed. Oh man! And it happens. I've been. I, I mean, I've been begging our it's folks in the state house for years, and I, I I don't know where that's gone. It's but. it's on the docket. If I if I get elected, I I will push for that. Hard. Be, the, be the number one priority. Yeah. What do you think about the uh, the gas tax scale? Do you think that this would be a good time to pause it, like we did in two thousand eight? Or do you think we just let it ride so we don't get used to cheap prices and then get slapped again? I I would just let it ride. I would. Um, I think we've given way too much over the pandemic. I think too many people have gotten used to the handouts and the discounts. And- people haven't made a student loan payment in two years. Right. That's right. crazy. At some point, at some point, household, this is what I talked about last week with Nancy. At some point, the federal government's going to turn that faucet back the other way, mm-hmm. and the average family is going to have a two or $300 payment that they're going to be responsible for. Right. And as much as it's helpful today to have that, to have that discount, unless the government's going to go on with it in perpetuity, it's going to come back out of a family's budget. And then where, what, what have you led people to do? Unless, you know, they cancel student debt indefinitely like Sean Rao wants. Um, Which is insane. I'm sorry. We got that question at the forum last week, and I was really glad because I... Okay, you know me. I teach for a university. I have for 12 years. I I believe in college. I also believe in skilled trades. I believe there's a path for everybody. But to think that I should get to go to school and rack up tens of thousands of dollars, if not 100000 or more, and then I have to look at... Did you go to college? No. You went to trades. So yeah. you have to pay my student bills? Like how you have to subsidize more than you already have for public schools? Yeah, I'm uh, glad to pay my fair share. Right. <laughs> it, right. But like, it's, it's just, Gail it, <laughs> is not going to pay my mortgage. You're not going to pay my cell phone bill. Like, why is it student loan debt that we're 
wanting to forgive. I'm sorry. Right. You made an agreement. I'm sorry you were 18. I'm sorry. Maybe you got suckered. Should interest rates be low? Absolutely. But to think that I get to Should pass be able that to bur- default on it though. It's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of seems scammy. It's federally insured. It's not, it. yeah. It, it, it's, I mean, that's another question, but to think that I get to pass that yeah. on, like, I'm sorry you went to a school that costs $40,000 a year. That's insane. You should have gone to a public. You should have found a cheap way to live. I realize I, I speak from a position of privilege because I got a really good scholarship, but my sisters did not. And they paid every dime down they could and they both paid off all their loans in less than 10 years but they kill themselves to do it because that's what you do did you at your sisters? no I'm proud of them I'm proud <laughs> okay. of, no no, I'm proud of them because they worked really hard after school to pay down their debt because that's what you do you take out debt right. you pay it down it's an agreement you made your, your bond is your, yeah. your word is your bond you but somehow student loan line. is different I'm sorry I have opinions yeah. and I'm a teacher like I want people to be educated but I, I will say that this is probably more of a federal issue. Oh, absolutely. It has nothing to do with us. Yeah, I was surprised. I, it's weird yeah. that you guys got that. I was just, I just brought it up to make a dig at Sean. I think we got some weird questions from the audience him. trying to throw people off. Oh, I think there were the some audience? shenanigans. Oh, all the questions oh, okay. came from me. There were some shenanigans going on, but gotcha. um, I think we overall did okay. Yeah, we shield it here. We write the questions in advance and then give them to <laughs> no, you. No gotchas time. here. Yeah. That's why I keep coming back. You guys are <laughs> fun. It's an easy conversation. There are no surprises. You guys, you guys just do the talking and we interact with you. Gail and I agree that there were some shenanigans. Oh, last yeah. week yeah anything else on the on the infrastructure side Gayla, or do you want to move on um, are you, you good i'm good all right dakota all right let's talk to Gayla first here about COVID 19 um let's talk about because i know like i mean betsy loves governor holcomb so <laughs> we can't start with her in 2020, uh, Holcomb issued a statewide emergency declaration due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I want to know what you thought about the emergency declaration, what you thought about all the mandates that came with it, um, and just basically what you think we did right with the pandemic and what you think we did wrong with the pandemic. Um. And I recognize that that answering that question could take like three hours. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try to keep it to two hours or less. Yeah. Well, I think Governor Holcomb was, I mean, he has to have the ability to declare an emergency, but I think there should be a limit on how long that reach will go. Um, we have our elected officials for a reason. We elect them to be our voice and they need to be that voice when it comes to things like shutting down the state. Um, I don't. Uh, so as an example, last week, Nancy Custer put out a, pol- uh, a policy proposal saying 90 days. If you had, you could have an emergency for 90 days. And after that, the governor would have to call the state legislature back in. Is that kind of where your headspace is at, or do you think it should be quicker than that? Um, for the I, for the state, rep I would like involved? to see it be quicker. I would, um, because unfortunately, what happens is that once once the state legislature adjourns, they essentially are gone for a year, and that's right. what happened last time. Is that right. COVID hit right as the, the the literally like within days of them of them adjourning. Yeah, this happened, so and then you had nearly a year, <laughs> sixty days. I'm sorry, yeah. I said ninety days, sixty days. Is what Nancy Custer said. She's reminding us in the chat. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hi, Nancy. Hi, Nancy. <laughs> Did you um, agree with the mask mandates? No, not at all. No. Ah, big time no. Um, 
I could see it going to the doctor's office or when you're going to be around people that have compromised immune systems. But that common should be up to your sense. doctor. Yeah. I mean, come so, on, common sense. So if a, if a hospital says no that you have to wear masks, then yes, put a mask on. Yeah. Right. But you're saying that the state shouldn't say, hey, here at the Boss Hogger Liberty podcast, they shouldn't say that we have to wear a mask because we're around other folks. Right. I mean, it did a, masks did a lot of damage. They really did, especially to kids. We're just did now, a lot of damage. Just now starting to see it. I mean, you talk to people, I don't know how many people in public education you know, but I know quite a few. And the stories that I've heard of how much their kids have lost mm-hmm. from just a couple years. Yeah. We're talking insane. at the college level about it. So I teach communications for Penn State. We're ta- I'm on Zooms with my colleagues in, back in State College, and we're talking about when they get to college, what we're going to have to make up for because of the communication skills they've lost mm-hmm. in this period. And and these are people who are very pro-masking, very pro-vaccine, and they're worried we've, to death that the, we've lost the, the, entire, the lack of development. Yeah. An entire generation of lip readers. <laughs> <laughs> the United Nations will never recover. Um, yeah, no, it's... Uh, it, <laughs> it, but, but, the, but the, the, you know, we can't even begin to understand the ripple effects of of the the pandemic, and and that is one aspect of it, and I, yeah. that concerns me as someone who teaches communications. So, so you don't think um, going back to COVID nineteen with you, Gala, you don't think like if if we start seeing, you know, if we see because it's very possible that we see another variant come along that is very infectious, like the Omicron variant was. Um, but we kind of lucked out with Omicron being as not deadly as it was. I mean, it still went through the population, caused a lot of destruction. Um, and we feel sorry for those people, but it, it was a lesser blow. If it had been like the alpha variant, as far as the death rate goes, it would have been much worse. Mm -hmm. With that being said, like, do you think that, do you think that there's any kind of role that the state government can do to try to mitigate those or is it just like we educate the people and hope that that's enough? I'd like to see common sense make a comeback. You know, people just washing their hands and coughing in your sleeve. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been someplace and see see a professional speaking and they cough in their hands and then they come up and want to shake hands afterwards or go to a campaign um, luncheon or something and they're serving fried chicken. That's disgusting. <laughs> and potato wedges and ranch. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, uh, listen, if you're running for office in Indiana and they're not serving pork tenderloins, I think there's a problem. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's yes. gotta be, it's gotta be tenderloins. It's this is a pizza King pizza and tenderloins yeah. should be the staple of every, of every, <laughs> Of yeah, every like, campaign event in District 54. I think I'm the in. point you're making I'm is in. the, the re- reaching in, you know, you're sharing. Right. Just general I mean, sanitation, you yeah. think. Yeah. It, it, but it's personal responsibility deal, working around that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, personal responsibility, that needs to be taught from the start. I mean, way young. But we have a real lack of that in culture Yes, right we now. do. So, we do. Yeah. And it's it's bad. So then the response that you saw was that the governor grew his beard as an authoritarian does uh-huh. and and, <laughs> and that he's just trying to look like henry they match now <laughs> and that helps with covid and i mean all but the- <laughs> he, he he assumed the executive powers and then mm-hmm. he held on to them for two years mm-hmm. do you think that should have that, that should have ended quicker yes yes 
like after the third day or 30 days? You got a time frame? I would say 30 days. I mean, I would like to see our elected officials step in and start that conversation because nobody, um, well, for, for an example, I mean, Al, Christy Nome, I mean, her state, they had very low rates. Right. They didn't, you know, should the should the state representatives have done anything different, or is it just it, it, the governor is what he is and the powers are what they are? I just I just don't like government overreach. Okay. All yeah, right. we saw a lot of it during the pandemic. We did. Betsy, defend your boy. Defend my boy. <laughs> um, I think very highly of Governor Holcomb, and I think he had a very hard job. And I'll tell you about the job I had. So I told you before I was caucused in in January 2020. I remember calling Angela Cox in early February 2020, a month into council, saying, hey, uh, this COVID-19, what are we doing to prepare for it? She called me right back, and we had a really good chat, and I thought, this thing sounds really scary. And then all hell broke loose a month later, and we're getting data from Wuhan and different places that, hey, this virus is going to take out to 3 to 5% of the population. It was really scary. And you remember two years ago this time, I mean everything's changed and we know so much more now we know it's airborne we know it's not you know you don't really touch it and get it it's you breathe it and you, you, there's so much more science that we have and we have vaccines and all these things i'm generally very anti-mandate um if there's any defense i can offer in general it's that as an elected as a brand new elected official it was like how do we prevent death how do we keep our, our people alive i was helping to arrange cold storage uh on behalf of the coroner's office because our morgue at the hospital only held two bodies and it wasn't enough and it wasn't ventilated in a way that was safe. I mean, having those conversations a couple months into office and you're like, my God, what have I gotten myself into? It was just, it was wild and it was scary and we thought it was going to kill a lot more people. And I'm not saying, I'm saying we've learned a lot. And um, does that justify every decision? No, we, we made a lot of mistakes. We never should have shut down any business. We never should have picked winners and losers. We never should have. It shouldn't have been a crime to go get my haircut? No. I mean, it, right. It, there's just so much that we learn now. We're like, gosh, we got that wrong. We being the government, not me. I, I, I didn't get to make those decisions. The council is a fiscal body, not a a body, an executive body. Um, but I, I would just say we have learned a lot since then. And what I would hope is that we learn that we never do it this way again, that we have learned and we, we, we keep things free. We let people make personal choices. So, so what does the state legislature do to say, okay, we've learned from this. Now we need to rein back the executive power. Is there something that yeah, needs to be done? I mean, that's a great question. And I don't know that I have a great answer. I would say, I remember talking to Mike Gaskell in summer 2020. I think we were at a golf event for the Republican party. And I said, why are you guys not called in back? Why are you having been called back? Like why? And he said, I don't know. We're, we've, we're waiting. Like we're, we're sort of expecting it. Like, you know, and I don't want to misrepresent the conversation. That's what I recall. But, um, I, I also know that the governor's office is taking advice from, uh, Dr. Box, the health commissioner. And I, I find her to be extremely uh, competent and trustworthy and, you know, they're listening to experts. So you're, you're, you're running into expert advice from people I trust versus government, government overreach. You know, what's the rule? Should it be 30 days, 60 days, 90 days before, you know, the legislature gets called in? It's a tough job to sign up for. You guys are, yeah, you guys are crazy. I want this, you know, this it's responsibility. Not, it's not the health commissioner's job to, to make their laws. No, it's not. Right. I mean, it's to, to advise, to provide good advice and good right. counsel. But they're there um, to look at data right. and go, these are the facts of the situation. And it is your elected official's job to go, 
this is what we're doing. Right. And I understand my role and my authority within the scope of the law. And then I, I think that where it comes down to the legislature, as far as our House representatives, our Senate representatives, then it is up to them to the next session put up bills that say, hey, we don't agree with this mm-hmm. or we did agree with it and do nothing. And that that that's kind of like the questioning. Right. And I get that. And I think it's a really fair question. Would I, you know, what period would I put it at? I, I'd probably give a wide berth. I'd probably do. I mean, I think the proposed law was 60 days, 60, 90 days, I think is probably reasonable. But you, you do think that that needs to happen. I, I favor. Like two I, years I, under an emergency. Right. Is, and I know he had his standards and I, I wish there had been more conversation between the two branches. Um, I would also say if you had a really bad governor who just was like, I don't care about COVID or you had a lousy legislature who's like, we don't care how many people die. I mean, you could see the potential for disaster on the other side. I'm just saying this in sympathy as an elected official who watched, who just, we were all scared to death and I felt so much responsibility and felt like, and again, I wasn't executive. I was, I I was fiscal, but um, we, I watched my colleagues do their very, very best to balance all these competing factors. And I, I have empathy for that. I also have empathy for those who don't like mandates. I, I have a job where I had a vaccine mandate and I'm fully vaxxed. And yet they questioned my vaccine because I didn't have it in the period they wanted it in. And I had to go through this insane rigmarole with HR for days and days and was on a, a bad person list and um, not generally a fan of mandates in general. So, uh, you know, I, there's a lot of nuance here, but um, again, I have empathy for those who are making decisions at this time two years ago. And I also think that we need to avoid government overreach and uh, re- we need to learn the lessons that are, are meant to be learned. I hope we do that debrief. And then real quick here, Betsy, um, with Indiana said sunsetting the food and beverage tax um, for Henry County, at least there are some counties that are going to be extended. It's uh, going to happen in 2042, right? Is whenever it completely ends. So, just real quick thoughts on that, if you think that was appropriate or not. Yeah, I hate it. Um, and I am really um, disappointed in our the people who represent Henry County in the legislature who voted for that. And I it happened quickly, and I was like, are you kidding me? I was really, really disappointed. Yeah, because it kind of snuck in there. It, it really media. did. There, and it, There was a bill carrying it, and then I think it ultimately wound up getting amended back into the uh, into another bill. Yeah, yeah. I was really upset. Um, because being a member of the council, like I can tell you that we have used food and beverage. It's for economic development, right? It's for We've given money to things like the Henry County Bicentennial, which is going on this year, 200 years old, Henry County. Awesome. Also, Rush County is 200 years this year. Um, we've given money, a lot of money to, uh, during the pandemic, we saw local business. It was absolutely getting crushed. People weren't coming in, like mandates, you name it. Like It, it impacted everything, summer 2020. And so we worked with the Economic Development Commission, Newcastle Main Street, different responsible partners in the community, and we helped businesses stay afloat with that money, economic development. And every penny we spent on that was great. And we it wasn't going to McDonald's. It wasn't going to uh, chain restaurants. It was going to actual small business in our community, the backbone of our community. I mean, I'm incredibly proud of that, that we did that with that money. And we kept people at work. We kept business floating. And now they're thriving and they're doing great. And so, um, and a lot of that money was meant to innovate their businesses so they could thrive in the pandemic. Um, we're going to lose that. The surprise, <laughs> the surprise that I take away that I have is that generally people are opposed to taxes. Yes. I've never seen a tax that people are okay with and unite around. 
and this is the one thing that we don't bitch about. It's it's not it's, because it's it's, it's a weapon. And it, it's how a, much everybody's fine with it. It's because it's it's really minor, and also um, it takes a lot of money from people coming in from out of town. It's like you know we don't have a great innkeepers tax because we don't have a lot of hotels, and I hope that changes. I hope we get that development. I'm excited for that potential with Montgomery's and all that. Um, but. Yeah, food and beverage, I'm supportive, and maybe that's because I'm someone who gets to vote on that stuff, and we have a lot of food and beverage decisions coming the next couple of weeks. I've got a big meeting tomorrow at 3.30 at the courthouse. Um, a lot of good projects proposed that I think will really provide positive impact in the community, um, but I, 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 I'm I, not a tax person either. I've never voted for a tax before. Food and beverage, I uh, I would hope to sustain, and so to, you know, we we have a question on council. Are we going to rebond for that $4.4 million? It's, uh, now due to some changes in legislature, it might be like 4.2 million now. Just got that email a couple hours ago, but um, you know, we have a question, will we rebond that? And that might be the last time we get to get that full amount. And I think it expires in like 20 years. So um, I think it's been a great asset for Henry County. And I think we've done good things with it. I'm excited to see where that money goes. Um, if we choose to rebond, which I personally think we do. And I personally intend to support and famously, another note here for the Rush County viewers is that Rush County was never able to get this tax in place. The folks in Rush County never had the authorization from the state to say, yes, I do want to put it in place uh, because it all goes back to the Hall of Fame coming to to Henry County. Uh, Gail, what do you think about the food and beverage tax? Like, Was it overall a good thing? Are you upset to see it leaving? Well, I'm not a fan of taxes, um, but it is a necessary evil. And like you said, you know, it's the one that people don't notice so much. And I think it's the one tax that goes to support the things that keep the community going and make people happy. You know, it goes. It's the quality of life tax, right? It's it's the, yeah, the things exactly. that they're, they're exactly. paying into are are the things that are making parks better, the things right. that are improving the saddle right. club, the things that make the hall of fame nicer. Right. It's your, it, it, almost ultimately it's a quality of life tax. And I yeah. know you're a fan of the fair tax and this is, you know, as consumption tax as it gets. So, mm-hmm. you know, you pay, you pay in when you consume, right? right? Right. So, all right, Jeremiah, this is your hot button issue. This is the question that I added at the last minute and sprung it on to, on to Nancy Custer. And this, yeah, this week, fever or something. This, see those eyes. this week I was, uh, I was smart enough to, to include it in the show notes. Uh, cannabis legalization, uh, Nancy. We've seen Indiana become Nancy. a little, or Nancy, gosh, darn it. <laughs> Hi, Nancy. <laughs> Waving to Nancy at home, Gayla. <laughs> the wonderful Gayla Taylor. Uh, Cannabis legalization. We've seen our neighbors legalize. We've seen medicinal marijuana in some states. We've seen full recreational, just the complete decriminalization. Uh, there are uh, Abdul Hakim, Hakim Shabazz, the uh, conservative commentator in Indiana, says, well, the governor's been saying that it's it's regulated federally, but he, he's challenging that, saying, well, actually, it's not. And by the way, they're not enforcing it. Is is the time now for Indiana to, to move into the decriminalization, or is it still... We're, we're still on the prohibition side. We're, are we ready? Have we grown up enough? I think so. I I mean, you know, if they legalize it tomorrow, I wouldn't go out and... I'm just not a fan. 
Um, I, I know, but I, I feel like if they open a weed shop, uh, Governor Holcomb would be the first one to go buy a baggie. <laughs> he might. He might. And bring, and he bring might. the newspaper. He did it for Sunday sales at 1201. He was buying his craft brew. I kind of feel yeah. like if they do it, he'll yeah. be the first in line. Am I, maybe I'm crazy. No, it'd be Jim Lucas. <clears throat> They'd go hand in hand. <laughs> oh, yeah. Holding right. each other's hands. Yeah. Right, right. And uh, I'm, I'm definitely for medicinal. Um, in June of 2020, I lost somebody very, very close to me. And um, she had breast cancer. And she, from the time that they found out, they gave her five years. The last three years of her life, I mean, she spent four days at the hospital on chemo most of the day and the other three days she was throwing up along and sleeping because she was so medicated. And just a couple of weeks ago, I saw one of the medications that she was on and I, I paused the TV screen and I read the fine print and on average that medication extends the person's life eight to nine months and it's $13,000 a month. Wow. I mean, one of the one of the most horrible things that a person with cancer can do is be under a lot of stress. And can you just imagine the the stress? Thirteen thousand dollars a month. And if that would have been available to her, and if it could have improved her quality of life, then i i would have I would have moved heaven and earth, you know, to make sure that she had it. Um, I don't know that it would have. But I would have liked to, for her to have that option. Give them options. Yeah. Yeah. People are doing it anyway, right? It's when you have exactly. prohibition, it, it, it's it's still happening. It's just now they have they have the stress of well. Now you know, I have and I have heard that the reason that it's not legalized in Indiana is because we have certain legislators that are waiting on a local form with one of the pharmaceutical companies. That's what I've heard. And I've heard that for three years now. And uh, when you say forum, a, a meeting or a decision from some local pharmaceutical companies to, to no, get a, 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 a form, their own version. Okay, you know CBD or whatever. Yeah, um, for like Eli Lilly to get into right. the medical cannabis game, right. develop their own strands, and then use that to market as a type of pharmaceutical. Right. Gotcha. And I don't know that it's Eli Lilly. Just some some Just, some local pharmaceutical crowd. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Betsy Mills. And I would like to mention, we're still having this conversation right now of whether or not we can carry a joint in Indiana. But Portland, you can have a syringe full of heroin and not go to jail. <laughs> so that's a little wild. It's crazy. And, and last time in, I was in Portland, which was uh, about five minutes before the pandemic, it I love Portland. It is so Actually, fun. Actually, all of Oregon, not just yeah, the yeah. But it parts. smells like weed everywhere. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I love Oregon. My yeah, I, I spent a lot of time in Oregon. Had family from Oregon. Um, it's an amazing state. But um, so this is really interesting to me, and I have incredible empathy for people who are in pain. Uh, my dad beat stage stage three cancer, stage four cancer. He lost his life again to stage four cancer. Um, I don't know that he would have chosen the medical route. I really don't. He's pretty traditional, uh, pretty, you know, former Marine, all that. I, I don't know that I would see that in him, but um, options beyond opioids would probably be nice for a lot of people. And I know that I've read a lot of studies from people who are like, this This helps me. So I am really empathetic. Um, I don't understand why we have not 
reschedule marijuana at a federal level. Like I thought, Trump, if you do that, you're going to win re-election. Why, not, why can't we study it? Why can't we learn? Why is this so taboo? Why can't it be rescheduled so we reclassify from Schedule 1 to Schedule 3 where you know universities can, and, and researchers can actually give us good data on, on this, better or worse? Like, Let's learn about what this plant does. Uh, I still don't understand why that's not happening. That just seems so obvious to me. Ten years ago, Purdue University just studying hemp was taboo. Right. Like, I just, I don't understand why, like Trump, I, Biden, I, I don't get it. Like, I, what is the, what's the holdback? Um, so I have a lot of empathy. Um, I have, uh, I've known people like I, there's someone I'm thinking of, I'm not going to name him, but he's an Iraq war vet. Uh, he's a Marine. Uh, he was banged up over there pretty bad. Um, he, I'm sure if he were taking medications, he would have a boatload and his, uh, his medication is marijuana and he's a brilliant father and husband and businessman and it works for him. And so, I, I mean, I just think that's interesting. That's not my choice. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot at play here. I, I would want more research and I, for better and for worse. And certainly I don't want this in the hands of kids. Um, also, I think we need to think about impact on workforce. I know that in Michigan and, and other states that have full legal there are work shortages and issues that are connected to this and, and not to say that that prevents it from being legalized, but I, I just think, but you have, work, I mean, you have work shortages in Indiana. You have right. It's a little bit Ohio. different there. Like the data I've seen is a little bit different, but, but yes, I, I recognize that. And that's true for everyone. When you get country. to whether people can pass a drug test and because it's right. a schedule one substance, right. It is looked at, uh, from the department of transportation, like my job, even if I, because I have to hold a class, a CDL, I'm subjected to department of transportation, random drug tests. So even if it was legal in Indiana, yeah, and even if the company I work for said, go for it, guys, we're not going to test you. Then I still couldn't partake because of that federal issue. Right. And that, that you do raise a good point as a person who is full on board for legalization recreationally, you do raise a good point in the fact that there are people who can't pass a drug test now. Yeah. And and does that mean, does that mean I want people who have weed to go to jail? No, I just, I did. No, so, no, no, we we don't need to put more people in jail. It costs way too much money. It's been a huge issue in Henry County. We're building a brand new, we're, our jail is going to be done in like two weeks. Ribbon cuttings coming soon, which I'm really excited about. And why I'm excited, not because it's exciting to build jail, but because we're going to have a treatment center in it. And I think that's really going to reduce recidivism. So I'll ask the question, relatively simply if you're in the general assembly next january and you get a bill that says hey yes medical marijuana would you be would you be in support of that i would consider it and i would want to do all the research i want more information and the same thing for recreation recreational and medicinal i want more information i really i i sorry i know you you want a good answer i don't feel like i know enough to give you the solid answer do i i want to do the best thing for every person in my state and so i want to learn more i'm not a subject matter expert on this um i when i have driven to michigan it's hilarious once you get north of fort wayne it's like every other billboard is like come to michigan we've got weed i'm interested in what the tax revenue is there i'm sure i've seen i've read uh you know stories about like hey you go to a you know the first stop over the border they're all indiana plates like cold water michigan has a cottage industry yes they it sure does um, i know a lot of older people who who think that marijuana has the same effect as like LSD or something like that, you know, like a hallucinogenic. And I mean, they're very afraid of it. Um, my dad's people like in their twenties and the sixties. 
I know. <laughs> right. Well, my dad's my dad's one of them, and I told him. I mean, I tried. I tried it twice in my early twenties, and I hated it. Didn't inhale I'm a, it. I'm an extreme type A person. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm an extreme type A person, and I just didn't like even having that slightest bit of you know. Yeah. Um, that little anxiety hit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would much rather be driving towards somebody who's just smoked a big fatty versus somebody who's drank a six pack. Oh gosh. I I don't want either of them on the road. Yeah. Honestly, no, but no I mean, you're going to have somebody going 30 miles an hour versus, you <laughs> yeah. know, right. And thinking they're going 80. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, after we left the debate, there was a truck in front of us that was driving down, um, 38 and you could see them passing it back and forth. Oh my gosh. You really could. And they were wow. like going 30. Yeah. I, there's there's one story I want to tell you, and I know we're trying to wrap up, but um, I worked as a dispatcher, the police dispatcher at the Middletown Police Station for uh, all throughout college, my six years, my bachelor's and my master's. I worked third shifts. Um, all my friends were out partying on the weekends, and I was in the dispatch booth, uh, you know, doing work and catching up on that things. That doesn't sound fun at all. It was all right. They would call me, you know, they'd been partying. I obviously not. And I got a, my mom prank called me the most. She'd be like, I got a broken leg. It's like, all right, mom, calm down. You know, they, I shouldn't have given out the non emergency number, but, uh, <laughs> it was, it was a great job. It trained, it trained me so much. And as much as I value my Ball State education, that education in Middletown at the police station has been so helpful to my career in public service. It's helped me understand so, so much and have such an appreciation for first responders who I just adore and admire all the police and everybody else in my life who, who take on that burden. But I worked with a, a, he was a reserve police officer and he honestly is probably the most conservative man I've ever known. I mean, just, just purely like as far right as right goes. And he said one night, you know, Betsy, I've been on a lot of domestic violence calls where the man was drunk as hell. I've never been on one where he's high on weed. And I thought that was really interesting. It's just about how it, you know, and there's that funny, uh, was it Jonah Hill quote. I've never, you know, he, he said, if I get high, I just, I just want to play Halo and eat Cheetos. And I, I just think that's yeah. funny. Like it, it's, it's not, it's something that makes people aggressive or whatever. And I, I just, I just, that traditional police officer I worked with, I just thought that that always stuck with me, that, that little anecdote. Yeah. But in, in, when you talk about law enforcement, they're the ones responsible for putting in place the, they're where the rubber meets the road. So when the legislature says, you know what, it's no longer going to be legal to be open at, at a barber shop because, because the governor said so, the, your local police are the ones that have to go in and right. enforce that. If they say, yeah, you, you had, you know, you had two joints on you, you're going to jail or we're going to, you know, we're, we're taking your car away and we're impounding all, you know, we're impounding it and you're getting the book thrown at you. The lo- the Henry County Sheriff's the one that has to deal with that. I know. And I, I've had friends who yeah. I've talked to about that who've said, you know what, I, I, used discernment and I made some judgment calls. I've had others say I hated to do the action that I had to take legally. Um, I, you know, that, that's tough for the officer. I'm, I am always behind the officer. And there's always the risk of violence, right? Anytime you force them into an interaction, you know, ultimately if, if you don't do what the law says, it escalates to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. And then where, you know, where does it lead to? You're creating conflict that may not necessarily be there. Mm. Um, that's my, that's my little soapbox piece for my pet project here. Um, by the way, never touched it before in my life. Just, uh, it's a, it's a comical issue to me. Uh, literally jump on a plane, fly to fly to the Southwest and, and, and it's a different world. Um, and I swear to God that we have so many tourists that are traveling from Colorado over to the East coast and they get caught on I 70 yeah. and then we lay the, lay everything out on a table. We take a picture of it, put it on the internet yeah. and then Henry County is, 
Henry County is is comedy for the rest of the country. All right, straight ticket voting. This is the last the last little item I want to talk about. Uh, this is a, a the relationship we developed with Tom Saunders Gala. Uh, he, he carried a bill in the last uh, in, in at the end of his term, uh, saying Indiana should eliminate street ticket voting because of the conversations we had on the show. We're one of the last nine or ten states to have it. Is that something you'd be interested in saying, hey, you just go in and pick the people at the polling place. You don't just check a box that says R or D or L or green or whatever. What are your, yeah. what are your thoughts? I've always thought straight ticket voting was just for the lazy voter. Um, I don't agree with it at all. Never have. I've always encouraged people to study all their candidates and make wise choices. Go down your ballot. If you don't know the person, then don't vote for them. You know, make them earn your vote. Leave it blank. Yeah. An undervote is a valid vote, as Dakota says. That's what exactly. I All right. And uh, for uh, Councilwoman Mills? <laughs> um, as the vice chair of the Henry County Republican Party, straight ticket voting has always helped us, obviously. Except for county council members, you still have to choose those manually. So at that's large. never benefited me. At, at large. large. Never right. in the district. Right. At large. So that's never helped me ever. But um, as a student of democracy... And someone who wants informed voters, yeah, I, I I have issues with street ticket voting. So I see, you know, it's benefited our part our party locally. But um, do I think that's the best form of democracy? And and should you have to physically push the button? It might help the yeah. Republican Party in Henry County, but it's right, it doesn't help them in Marion County, County, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like, there's here, like, yeah, cool for cool for Republicans, but is it the best for democracies? Does it serve our community best? You can make very strong arguments that it doesn't. All right. With that, we move into our traditional final thoughts where we wrap up anything we forgot. We give everybody in a room a chance to promote themselves, to, uh, to talk about issues that we didn't necessarily bring up. Uh, we're going to start with producer Zach, who's been very, very quiet tonight to the point his mom is probably worried that he wasn't even here. Zach, you got anything for me? She hasn't hopped in the chat. Also, one thing is totally unrelated and totally not at all serious, but I found interesting and that you had mentioned to us uh, is uh, that NASCAR is going to run at the 24 hours of Le Mans. And that, I think, is hilarious and awesome. So NASCAR built, see this. built a brand new cup car, and it's essentially a GT sports car. And there was a big announcement in Sebring, Florida today. And yeah, I use uh, season is ending right now. Wow. It is very, very ugly. Ouch. The people of Wyoming are very unhappy with the Hoosiers for ruining their 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 uh, <laughs> their birth to go to. The problem is, is that it's in Oregon, and God only knows what those heathens in Oregon have done to our that's poor a, Hoosiers. That's a middle school score. It was really tight for the first. You know, yeah, they were. The they game. were. They were in the, in in there together. The, in the last first time half. I turned around, it was eleven eleven. It's like, well, they've scored twenty seven, and the other team scored fifty seven. So yeah. that's rough. I'm it's debating good. on whether to go home or not. <laughs> <laughs> Your husband's not going to be very happy. No. Mer- oh, bless him. Mercifully, the IU cactus season is is almost over. All right, Zach. So, so you're right excited. Now. The uh, there's a the, what do they call it? Garage 56, which is yep. like a non-competing entry. I just want to see a video of like a LMP3 car going down the um, uh, the Mulsanne straight, and then a Cup car blowing their doors off with like that full America exhaust. That's like it's the loudest Chevy, thing ever, Chevy the, Camaro going yeah, 200 and some miles ever. Heard. And and I hope that they, I hope that they don't just take an actual like spec cup car over i hope they let chad canals lamon it up and just it's got no rules it's in its own class and i just want to see that happen because it'll be cool 
other than that, I'm enjoying the weather. It is a great time to be a North American motorsports fan. Roger Penske, Rick Hendrick, and Michael Andretti are all getting ready next year or two years from now. They will all have entries in the absolute pinnacle divisions of international motorsports. So big American names been been successful in American motorsports. Now they're taking it up a level and they're going to be national, international. And the weather's the weather's good. You're happy. You're happy with seventy degrees for St. Patrick's Day. I mean, I was actually hot today. Like I, I went from it was fifteen on Saturday, fifteen Saturday morning. I dewinterized my camper about noon on Saturday, and I said, "This is stupid." I know it's getting warm, but the water hose was literally frozen. I had to thaw my water hose <laughs> to be able to fill the water tanks to to be good I for was, the year. I was putting tile down in my kitchen. I have a wet saw, like tile saw. Yeah. And the water froze in the pump for the tile saw, so it was a dry saw. I had to walk in the St. Patrick's Day Parade down in Rushville, and my mom was like, you'll want to bundle up. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, mom. And then I, I went down there, and I was like, I hate myself. Like, it was so oh, I bitterly cold. Up. It was blue yeah, freezing mom, all mom day knows. Saturday. It was like 25, 26 Saturday. So, yeah, for the, as a high. But and then it's it was seventy five like three days later I'm like mid midwestern springtime we probably still got a good six inch snowfall coming at us at some point (laughs) who knows when all right Betsy anything we have to clean up if folks want to volunteer for the campaign donate to the campaign any of any of that any issues that we neglected to cover this is your chance um let me get my binder out (laughs) no I'm just kidding um. I, you know, this is a really good race. I, I applaud every single person who puts their name on the ballot, but I think that the voters of the district really have to look at each of us and square us up and look at our, look at our values, look at our experience, look at our priorities. Who's going to go down to Indianapolis and be the most dangerous for the district? Who's actually going to be able to go down and do the work? And I think there are people in this race who can, and I think there are people who can't, who have no idea what they're getting into, but that's okay. Like uh, I respect anybody who puts their name on the ballot. So I would just say, I think I have great experience. Experience. I have great backgrounds. I've worked on a lot of legislation and I'm ready to go down to be a champion for District 54. Um, I am really excited about the momentum our campaign has. Um, I am willing to meet anybody, talk to anybody. You guys know how accessible I am. Like you send me a message, I'll get back to you right away. I answer my call. I answer my phone constantly. Um, I take being a public servant very, very seriously. And I really try to do a sincerely good job and to represent our community's values and our priorities and our future. So um, if you want to find out more about me, I'm on Facebook, uh, you know, facebook.com backslash Betsy for Indiana. I also have a really good looking website. It's Betsy for Indiana.com. I welcome volunteers. We're going to be doing a lot in the next couple months. We're going to do a lot in the next 47 days because it's May 3rd and it's 47 days away. Uh, We're fundraising. We're doing everything. There's a lot more to come. We're really excited. Um, It's going to, it's going to be great. So please reach out. If you, uh, if you like what I've said, you think I've, you know, I've got the right idea here. I'd love to hear from you. Gala, that's how that's how final third flot. Oh my goodness, I've lost <laughs> final my thoughts. That is how final <laughs> thoughts are done. What do you have for us? Um, I care about this district. I care about the people. I have a lot of. I have a huge vested interest in this district. I'm very rooted. Um, you know, I I wanted I want to do what's best for the you know for the people here. I want to listen. Um, it's, it's about putting the people here first, doing what they want us to do. And I don't, I think somewhere along the way, you know, people have gotten caught up in politics and the money and they just tend to put the money first because that's all I've heard. 
you know, out of a lot of different people, money, money, money. And I want the people first. Um, but um, you can find me at votegala.com and uh, I'll answer my phone, emails. I'm always online pretty much six in the morning till 11 at night. Um, so very good. Is there any other issue that you're running on that you want to highlight or that we've omitted or we covered the gamut of the, of the, of the high level issues? Um, one of my big things is father's rights. I've been on both sides of that. I've been a single mom battling, you know, deadbeat dad. And I've fought with my son just to be able to see his daughter. And the system's very broken. It needs fixed. All right. Is there anything specifically that you want to see the legislature do or a study? Do you want a, stu- a study? Do you have certain legislation you would like to see the state embrace? I, I would like to see um, shared custody be the priority in all cases. And if one parent should have more custody, then that's what should be fought for, not the other way around. The 50-50 custody should be a given. And I think parents should, you know, parents should, they, they make that child together and they should stay where that child can go to the same school to where their life's not so disrupted. My granddaughter's up in Muncie. She wants very much to come and live with her dad. And that can't happen. Not the way the laws are now. Well, very good. We appreciate the time from both of you for joining us and uh, and being a part of the conversation. Uh, Dakota, any final thoughts from you? I have a couple. Uh, first of all, I want to thank both of you for coming. Uh, Gail, it was really nice to meet you. I've seen you a lot on Facebook and everything and uh, following your campaign and stuff, but it was it was good to, to meet you in person and get a chance to talk to you. Betsy, always good to talk to you as well. I want to say thank you to Nancy for the flowers and for the beef jerky. Well, buffalo jerky, venison jerky, and beef jerky. I also have a text message from Craig DaCosta, Patreon member Craig DaCosta, to read. And he said, talk to Jeremiah about not eating pizza with cut-up pineapple. (laughs) I I have to admit, you're the first person I've ever known that eats pineapple on pizza. He said, even my dog was disturbed. Uh, we are all disturbed. Pineapple and pepperoni, man. You it's serious? Just, here's here's, the, here's the way. In Hawaii. Wild. This is the guy Here, in Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. Craig is in Hawaii. Craig, by the Craig way. is yeah. a former elected prosecutor <laughs> in Hawaii. His political career is now over. He's come out anti pineapple. Uh, Craig is uh, Craig is in deep trouble. Are you in the of, pockets of, of Big Pineapple, Jeremiah? Listen, I'm pro agriculture. Okay. Oh, really? What? <laughs> oh, what? Because uh, I remember two hours ago when you were uh, attacking all of our local farmers and gardeners. Uh, listen, I, if you listen to the transcript, if you join the Patreon at any level, you can go back and you can listen to my words myself, and you'll understand. No, you won't. You're also, gonna, you're going to judge them hard. The nuance. I will tell you this, Gala. My very first date with my wife was at Giordano's, a very fine uh, fake Chicago restaurant in uh, on the northeast side of Indianapolis. And and we sat down, first date, blind date. We talked to each other a little bit on the internet, but it was our first sit down together. 
Chicago deep dish pizza. That is pressure because you've got to wait an hour for the thing to come. Thank God I can talk. But we <laughs> ordered, we, we, we sat down and it was pepperoni and pineapple. We agreed. She, she what do you want? Uh, do you want this? She asked. She said, yes, it was perfect. Once you can see, you belong once, together. You can agree on pepperoni and pineapple as a pizza topping. Everything else in life just falls falls together. Yeah, but you and, just and said the rest earlier that she out. doesn't like it, bro. Like, you bullied you her, bullied into, her it. into it. No, 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 no. Time out. Don't don't you twist my words. How like dare you? Up she doesn't like up the dirt. Dakota mm. Zach listens. She doesn't like the Pizza King chopped up pepperoni. She loves pepperoni. I will say this: you married very well, yeah. so we all love Sarah. I see. She's in the chat. Pineapple on pizza. Love you, girl. Love. So. All right, that pineapple is pineapple on pizza is fine, just not on pepperoni. It, you got anything else for me? Pepper- yes, I want to thank the Slick Pickle. Make sure you check out the Slick Pickle. Go check out their Instagram, Facebook pages, and things. They help the show, and if you help them, then that helps us. Uh, tell them the Boss Hog of Liberty sent you. Also, go to bosshogofliberty.com. Send us a voicemail. If we get a funny voicemail or something cool, then after all the candidates come through, Dakota and we're ready to pitching, loosen up. Dakota has been pitching we'll this voicemail voice idea for months. Mm-hmm. Nobody has ever left him a voicemail. Uh, haven't checked it. In probably <laughs> I'm going to crank call you. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> he's, I, he's looking for anything because he's been. He's, this has been months. This has gone on. I hope it's somebody with I an urgent question and you time. haven't looked at it. And it's and and it was a it was a it was a very topical thing and you've <laughs> yeah. ignored it. And we'll have. I have no idea what they're talking about in the yeah. I just want to. I just want some voicemails. I listen to Theo Vaughn's <laughs> podcast a lot, and he always does that. Where he, even if he has guests on, he'll be like, "Got a call," and it, it's just people that leave voicemails, and they'll like talk about something on the last episode, and it's really, really funny. Like good stuff. Could be somebody complaining. Could be somebody complaining about pepperoni and pineapple pizza, yeah. Craig. Yeah, Craig, that could have been a voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, how dare you text when you could have called? Damn it, Craig. <laughs> All right. It's it's like five in the afternoon. He should be he should, he's a defense attorney. He should be keeping somebody out of jail, and instead he's he's texting Dakota over my pineapple house. That was probably his one break in the courthouse. <laughs> oh, the, the chat is now filling up with people that are gonna leave voicemails. You're gonna get your wish, Dakota. You better check you better check the email. Good, good. Thank you so much to uh, to everybody that's listened and participated. Uh this show the, eight weeks, listen guys. If we don't have fun doing this, I I'm I'm going to lose my crap. Uh, so we try to keep it lighthearted. It's an eight-week candidate series. We're two weeks in. I'm very appreciative of everybody that joins us. I think it's important for the audience. I think it makes the candidates better. Um, next week, we're going to do the Henry County Prosecutor's Race. So we're going to let District 54 sit alone here for a little while. Still working on getting some more candidates to join us. Uh, if your candidate has not been on that you're supporting or somebody you want to hear more from, Send their campaign a message and let them know that you want to see them on Boss Hog, and we'll uh, we'll take care of them. Uh, we'll the, our door is open, and we've got uh, multiple opportunities to to get them on. So, with that, we will see you all next week, and we're going to talk Henry County Prosecutor. And, and I don't want here's the secret: Jesse Riddle's coming in next week, so it's going to be fun. Uh-oh. All right.